Good morning. It is Spirit of Prophecy Church time, and this morning we're going to be hearing about Samuel the prophet from Eni. Lord, we ask you to give her your anointing, that you would help, help her to say the right words, not the wrong words, give her recallability, and help us retain what's said in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Looking at today being Sunday, the day of the Lord, all of us have been ordained to be here. Those online, you are ordained to be there. Sitting in your room, trying to eat or drink, you are ordained to be there. So sit and listen. Samuel the prophet. Father, I hand over this place. I hand over myself to you. I seize from my flesh and let you take control and speak through me. And let those that listening will get what you are about to say. In Jesus' name. Amen. Look at that picture of Samuel and the mother and the Elkanah and the prophets. Look at them. When you look at that picture, you see Hannah handing over Samuel to the Eli, the prophet. Before I continue with my story, I would love to read Samuel, maybe two or three verses in chapter one. He said, now there was a certain man of Ramab Sophiam of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Helium, the son of Tahum, the son of Swam, and Evertide. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Perina. And Perina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shalom. And the two sons of Eli, Hophini and Phenilas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave, the, he gave to Perina his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord shut up her womb. I will stop there. I don't want to read further. I want you to listen. The Lord shut her womb. In this portion, the Lord shut her womb 
I want to let you know it wasn't Hannah's fault. It was God that wanted to perform his own miracle. It was God that wanted to use Hannah for the purpose that he had ordained in future. Because we will know the beginning, but maybe we will not know the end. But our God knows the beginning and the end. And also knows the end back to the beginning. That is our God. So that is why when things happen to you, don't quickly judge. Just leave it in the hand of the Lord. Because he knows why. Things are like that. Then Samuel, the, the, the prophet now, Samuel was religious hero in the history of Israel, respected in the Old Testament according to Jewish men of his days. Samuel, the son of Elkanah of Ephraim and Hannah, born at Ramatham, Sephion in the country of Ephraim between 1056 and 1004 BC, that is before the Christ, in an answer to the prayer of his previous childless mother. Samuel became the prophet after Moses and inaugurated all the monarchy by choosing and anointing Saul and David as kings of Israel. Samuel lived for 98 years, had judged Israel for 40 years, during which time Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. I want you to know something here. Samuel was the first, first prophet in all testament we have a first prophet also new testament prophet samuel although we not been using prophet jesus but jesus was the oh was the prophet the first one in new testament samuel started his job being a prophet at the age of 12. Jesus dis disappeared at the age 12 in synagogue when the mother and the father were looking for him. He started his job, but it was secretly. Nobody knew who and where he is or he was. He started secretly. But at the fulfillment of time, at the age 30, everybody, oh, that is Jesus. His work manifested. That, that is all we can see, the comparison. But in Hannah, God shut her womb. But in Mary, he opened her womb. He, he wasn't even married, you know. This our God is a marvelous God. No matter what is in your position, no matter what Satan tried to shut today, God opened Anna's womb. He will open the door 
for you. He will open, even if it is your womb, he will open your womb because he is God by himself. No other person can compare. Praise the Lord. All Israel knew Samuel was established to be the prophet of the Lord. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Samuel, 1 Samuel 3, 19 to 20. Brought to save God in fulfillment of a vow made by his mother. I'm, I'm sorry. Most of us here, it's a God. If you do this for me, God, I will give you this. God, I will do this. God, I will jump. God, I will sing. God, I will do this and will do that. After God, I've done that. My beloved, what have you done? You've forgotten about the vow. Very important in the life of Christianity and in the life of Christians. When you make a vow, it's better not to make it than to make it not to fulfill it. Redeem your vow. If you are in this church, you have vowed God, I will do this, I will do that. You've not redeemed it. Today, you have been reminded. Redeem your vow. Praise the Lord. All Israel knew him as a prophet. Hmm. All Israel knew that as, uh, Samuel was established to be their prophet of the Lord, for the Lord revealed himself to him. Now, let's go. As a great prophet of the old, Samuel was bridged between the Petrarch and George and the king. He was Nazarite from birth. In an ancient Israel, those especially dedicated to God, Nazareth, vows included abstaining from wine and spirit, not cutting her hair, or his cutting hair or shaving, among others. His name, Samuel, means God has heard. Both Christians and Muslims acknowledge him as a wise prophet, judge, and leader. Of ancient Israel, a father of two sons, Joel and Abijah, he died at a very advanced age of 98. His prophetic ministry led to the revival in, the, in Israel and the return of, of Ark of Covenant. We are here in the spirit of prophecy, church. Why are you here? Are you only coming to warm the seat? Why are you here? Samuel was for a purpose. He brought back the Ark of Covenant. Are you bringing back a revival in this church? Are you doing it? It's not because I'm talking about Samuel. It's now our turn to do the revival in the church of God. Even when you are in the grocery store, even when you are working, even at the place of your work, anywhere you are, you are the star of God. God has called you to do what Samuel did. He didn't sit down. 
say, after all, I'm a prophet. No. He walked the walks. In the name of Jesus, we have to get up from our warming seat and do the work of God. Hallelujah. Samuel authored part of the book of Samuel and was highly revered by people. He exhibited a type of Christ-like characteristic. Example, prophet, priest, and a judge. That is our Jesus. And also, that was Samuel. Who, who are you in the, in the kingdom? Who are you in the spirit of prophecy, church? Take your position. Who are you? Are you a sin woman? No, God forbid. We are not. We are going to strive and bring revival, bring people, bring newcomers, evangelize. This is the time for revival. As we strive in our calling as prophets, we should emulate Samuel characters. Prayerful. Prayerful. Always seeking God's presence. Are you? Are you? Oh, leave me. I will do it tomorrow. Procrastination. I'm tired. I'm just coming back from work. Let me rest. Let me sleep. Maybe when I get up, I will pray. But before you know it, another morning. Samuel wasn't like that. Obedient. Who are you? Are you obedient to the word of God? Are you obedient to the, 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 the establishment of the church? Are you obedient in your family? Are you obedient being a woman? Do you obey your husband? Okay. In America, women first. No. In the Bible, men first. In Bible, men first. You have to honor your husband. In the Bible, that is what has been established. Don't even go there. Love, <laughs> I'm sorry, love of God and other people. Sometimes we don't even love ourselves, not to extend the love to others. So please, my beloved, love of God is very important. Love, love, love. Not I love you, but inside your heart, coming to bed, you kill him or you kill her. I love you. No, that is not the love of God. We should love and love. Spirit of, uh, uh, fruit of the spirit is number one. Love, love, love. Hallelujah. Humbleness, please, very important in the kingdom. We have to be humble. Look at Jesus. He didn't show up. Look at Samuel. He didn't show up. Always humble. Yes, Eli, are you the one calling me? No. Go and lie down. He went back. Samuel, Samuel. Oh, he jumped up. Are you the one calling me? No. Go and lie down. When he calls you again, say, Lord, I'm here. Say, that is obedience. Samuel taught us, gave us, directed us to be obedient. In at all corners, don't be 
a, a, a eye servant. When you see oh, at the back, forget about her, forget about him. I know him, I know her. No, humble all the time. Truthfulness, even at the call, even they put that knife, be truthful. Boldness, always be bold. You are a Christian, be bold. Be proud of that name, Jesus. Be bold. Strong in the spirit. How weak. If you notice that your prayer life is going backward, you call God in heaven. Please, God, I want my spirit back. I want that prayer back. I want to be a prayer warrior. I can't be sitting down. Father, I need it. And God will give you. Consistency. Not today I will go. Tomorrow I will stay back. Not today I will do. Tomorrow, oh, no. Be consistent in every action, in everything you are doing, even at the place of work. Don't be a, an eye servant. Don't. Be consistent. Do whatever. Don't, don't mind them. They will say a lot of words. Because you are a Christian. Show them a sample. You should be light. Shine. Wherever you are. Shine. Be consistent in your prayer life. Alert in the spirit. Hallelujah. Be, <coughs> be <coughs> always alert. Always. In Jesus' name. Amen. Samuel the prophet. The world today is going through a period of moral decadence and self-righteousness. We need more prophets like Samuel with their above characteristics. Who will always speak out to the world, the mind of God, without fear and favor? Are we ready to be consistent and steadfast in the message of righteousness of God? Even in the face of persecution, that is the question I want every one of us to take home today as we are strive as we strive in our journey as prophets of God. My beloved, God has done a lot of things for you and for your family. When did you even stand in your house, secret place, to worship him? Chapter, first Samuel chapter 2, if you open to your Bible, you will see that they say son of Hannah. After God opened her womb, he wrote that. He sang that. She sang that day in and day out. That is why I just carved out chapter 2. Um, yes, chapter 2, verse 2. And get that song from her. I borrow it from her. Because there is none. There is none. There is none. Even your husband, even your wife is not holy as our God. There is none holy as our God. No matter what I put, no matter what I wear, no matter, there is none. Beside thee, neither is in any rock as 
our God. There is no holy as our God. Our God. There is no holy as our God. There is no beside thee. Neither is there any rock as our God. There is no holy as our God. Hallelujah. Good morning, Spirit of Prophecy Church and everyone online. Uh, today we're going to talk about 1 Kings 17. Uh, this is titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And anytime we're going to have a message from the Book of Kings, you know it's going to be really exciting. And these are the last two, these are the, from the last two verses um, of Kings 16, and this sets the uh, setting for our story. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Well, congratulations to him. Out of 19 uh, leaders of Israel, he's the seventh, and he committed unprecedented sin. Um, he, he worshiped Baal. And everyone knows that this is involved with child and human sacrifice. As you can see here, um, without a, almost any exception, every single leader um, of Israel through this period of time were unrighteous leaders. And they are unrighteous kings because there is only one true king, one righteous king, and that is Jesus. In his days did heal the Bethlehite, build Jericho, and he laid the foundation thereof in Abram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof in his youngest son, Sagob, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. So this is in reference to the victory that took place in Jericho. Um, yes, the Israelites were victorious um, and took this city for the Lord. Um, but what they found when they uh, excavated the site is a burn layer followed by an abandonment layer. So not only did the city fall, but the city was burned by the Israelites. Um, in fact, there's one particular structure that stands um, from that site, and they think that it's an exterior wall where Rahab was housed because the Lord promised to spare her family. And we have an abandonment layer because there is a curse on the land, according to Joshua. So it says that he took the firstborn and set up the gates, and the youngest son was sacrificed. Uh, I'm sorry, the firstborn set up the gates, and the youngest son, the, found, the foundation. I hope I'm getting that right. 
might be backwards. Um, and so we also see that this is an important site because the Mount of Temptation, um, where it said that Jesus was brought and tempted of Satan, um, it extends between three pivotal locations, Jerusalem, Jericho, and the Jordan River. And it's important to note that there's a curse on man for the firstborn and the last. And we know that Jesus has rectified the first and last curse on all of mankind. As a result of this, there is judgment on the land. And the Lord said um, through the prophet Elijah that there would be no rain. This is a picture um, of Jericho at the excavation site. And you can see here, this is a 12, they say that it's a 12,000 year old structure. Um, Jericho's actually, that's not true because we know the word of God doesn't say that the earth is 12,000 years old, but it's very old. It's ancient. Jericho was a city that uh, is the oldest continual civilization and establishment um, in the whole world. So Jericho is a very pivotal site where a lot of things take place. So the Lord spoke to Elijah and said, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Um, it's important to see there's a lot of picturology, a lot of symbology um, occurring right here just in these two verses alone. Elijah was told to hide himself. And we see that there's unprecedented sin. So what we're seeing is a picture of man um, departing from that which is righteous, the victory of Jericho, and turning from God and completely doing sin where they should not do it. And so just like Elijah was hidden, we also see that Adam was hidden as well. Elisha was alone. He was separated. And there was a raven that came to feed him. Now, a raven is an unclean bird. It's a bird of uh, carrion. It eats flesh. And this is, if you take a look at this in a full picture, this looks very much like a reverse order of the Lord's salvation for Noah. Okay? When the flood came and it swept the earth, it filled the earth with water, and the animals were saved, and their family were united. And uh, what we see here um, is that... You know, a bird is feeding Elijah. You know, if you're being fed by an animal, you're in some kind of way, right? And he, uh, he, the Lord told Elijah, it shall be that you shall drink of the brook. Now, we know from uh, different sources that what this can symbolize. So the word prophet itself, it has a root meaning to bubble forth from a fountain to utter. And um, the Proverbs 18.4 says that the words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. Okay? So we have some more symbology here. If you examine this further, it says the brook chariot that is before the Jordan. Now, how many of you know that a river of life flows from the throne of God in heaven? And we also know that Jesus... When he was baptized, he went out of the water and he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove. Okay. 
And so this is in contrast, this is like Noah, he sent out two birds, right? He sent out the raven, and then he sent out the dove. The dove is the one that came back with the olive branch. And that signified that there was life was able to occur and be established. Before we come to Jesus, we are in a place of separation. And in fact, Cherith has that same meaning. Cherith comes from the Hebrew, uh, kurt, meaning a cutting, a separation, or a gorge. So it's actually written into God's word. So this is where um, this is where Elijah uh, was drinking from the river. This is the River Jordan right here. And um, following in our story, his next stop is going to be Zarephath, which is a coastal town. So Zarephath is a city of refinery. That's actually what the city means. The word itself means refinery. And we see that God's people are getting placed in a time of testing. And so the Lord told him, Arise, get to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain you. And upon his encounter with the woman, he requests bread, and she replies that she has only a little and that she's gathering two sticks so that she may um, prepare it for herself and her son that they may die. Now, there's symbology here as well. What we need to see is that the two sticks, um, this you have to understand that this is a very serious situation for this woman, okay? Um, this, is, this is an absolute tragedy. I can't even imagine having to suffer or watch a child suffer from hunger and die. Uh, but when she refers to gathering the two sticks, what we see is a picture of man in de sheer desperation, with no hope, no hope at all. And when she's gathering the two sticks, this is actually in a reference to man bearing his own burden or man bearing his own cross. Um, we see in Ezekiel when the Lord told him, um, you know, w with uh, the, the dry bones, and he said, this is also a picture of resurrection. He said, can these bones live? And he said, I don't know, blow on them. And in that, in that whole uh, chapter, we see reference to two sticks. The Lord said to put two sticks together that represent the tribes and that they shall be one. And so the Lord had promised, he said, that the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fill until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And it was so. This was a miracle of God providing for these individuals. And so <clears throat> at this time, we see that there is further testing. This is a place of refinement, okay? And when you come to the Lord, you're going to encounter refining. You're going to encounter testing, just as the Lord himself also was tested. So what happened was, even though God had provided for this woman and this child, Suddenly, the child takes ill and he dies. 
And the woman is having a really difficult time understanding why this had occurred. And she says to the prophet, have you come to call my sins to remembrance and slay my son? Now, that is very much what it is like for us when we come to the Lord. Our sins being recalled and we deserve death. Even Elijah himself did not fully grasp the gravity of what was going on. It says uh, that the child had no breath left in him. And so Elijah said, give me your son. God took our place. He gave us his son. So he takes the child to the bedchamber and he lays over him three times and he cries out to God for him to save him. And the Bible says that the Lord heard his cry. The child's soul came back into his body and he brought the child down and showed him to the mother and said, behold, your child lives. The Lord, now what sense does it make that an entire group of people had such extreme salvation from the Lord with miracles, but then someone dies. And this is all on purpose because the Lord wanted to demonstrate his, our need for him and his means and his way of salvation. This is actually the first miracle um, of resurrection recorded in the entire Bible is this particular one right here. Up until this point, there had been no resurrection of the dead. So the Lord heard the cry of Elijah, the Bible says, but the Lord did not hear the cry of his own son. And we see that this actually does not in here. This miracle actually stems even further. So we have Elijah, we have um, his... his, uh, his servant, Elisha, okay? And when Elisha took into ministry, he actually demonstrated the same type of miracle, but it split off into two separate miracles. So we have the miracle of the oil where he provided for a widow who had two sons because he had a double portion, a double anointing. And uh, we also have a story where um, Elisha had told a group of prophets to put on food that they would eat as a company. And what happened is um, they had a servant, someone went out, and it says that they were gathering herbs to make a stew. And in doing this, this one person picked, um, it says, um, a gourd of an unknown vine, okay? And they put this into the stew, and the entire company of the prophets are consuming this meal. And in the middle of this, someone cries out and says, there is death in the pot, there is death in the pot, Okay, so this was poisonous to them. They could not consume this. And what Elisha does is he takes meal and he sprinkles it in the pot for everyone to consume. Now, why does he do this? Um, Elisha had walked in the power of um, his predecessor. So he had the same power and the same anointing to do that. But also we have to realize that the meal is symbolic of the word. The meal is symbolic of Jesus. And, you know, I need to tell you that there's other vines. Jesus said, I am the true vine. So there are other vines. And a remedy to these other vines is always going to be the antidote is in the Bible. It will always be the word of God. And right now we have um, in this country and abroad, we have different vines. We have 
different uh, ministers and different prophecies preaching um, an alternative version or access to the Lord. And part of this is through portal worship, okay? And that's already been discussed um, in a previous topic by Prophet Leslie. But what I do want to look at is the pervasiveness of this in our society right now. And this is one example. Um, This is called STARS Portal, okay? And this is if you just want to use this uh, telescope technology and access this site, you're going to actually log on to a portal, And here's another one. Um, this is actually um, based in Strasbourg. Strasbourg is a city in France, which is right next to Germany. And we see the same thing. This is a platform that allows people to access um, different technology um, to look at different celestial bodies. And it's all combined into one platform, which is coded into Google so you can readily access it. And so what we have here is we have the portal, we have the snake eating the tail, we have more portals. Um, up here it says Aladdin, okay? That's, that's one of the programs that it runs. And so this is just becoming more and more common as we go on. Um, this is a legal uh, software uh, that helps uh, attorneys manage their clientele. Uh, this one is called Clio, and this one says Clio.com, and then it says client portal, okay? And legal client portal, it says that this is for, this is a portal designed for legal clients to communicate with their attorney. And we actually use this one at the office where I work, and all day long, we're using the term portal, and we're, we're making billing entries. Portal, portal, I have to say the P word, all day long. And so what we see here is that there is a there's an alternative, um, there's an, there's a, there's an underhanded attempt right now, okay, for Satan to get his foot in the door to turn people away from the Lord and for this to be common and for us to just sit back and accept it and relax and think that this is normal. This is not normal. We don't access God through any type of portal. Who is he that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have understood things not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Now, this is Job referring to the Lord. He actually did meet God. And this is what he said. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Okay? And this is the same thing that we see with um with Moses, Moses went up to the mountain to meet God. The earth quaked and the people feared and he had to veil his face. And yes, praise God, Elisha went, you know, up into the whirlwind. But let me tell you something. He was no longer here. He was not anymore on the earth. So let me ask you something. What is in your heart? What is it that you're looking for? What is it that you're seeking or thinking that you're going to find? We see here in verse 7, the anger of the Lord when people do things presumptuously and speak presumptuously about him. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, that he said to um, Eliphaz the Temanite, my wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you have spoken of me the thing that is not right as my servant Job has. 
Proverbs says that wisdom cries out. She utters her voice in the street. She cries in the chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gate. In the city, she utters her words. How long will you love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scoring and the fools hate knowledge? Turn it my reproof. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make my words known unto you. His words. His words. Not another's words. Jeremiah had the exact same situation going on. He was told to stand in the gate of the Lord and proclaim the word. Hear the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. That enter in the gates. When you come into your church, when you come into your house of worship, let me tell you something. This is what God says. Trust you not in lying words saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. They provoke me to anger. Do they provoke me to anger, says the Lord? Do they not provoke themselves to confusion of their own faces? So we see it's not a portal. It's an acknowledgement. When Jacob saw the Lord, he saw them at the top of the ladder. The Lord looked down on him and he acknowledged God was in that place. That was it. When the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, teach us how to pray. He did not tell them, just pop open a portal. First thing you need to do is just pop open a portal. He said unto them, when you pray, our Father which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. So the remedy to this right now, it's God's word. And here's another example um, of portals. Here's a portal account. This was actually on our church. Um, and this showed that th- this, was a, um, this was a letter that uh, was for people to have a meeting. And it refers to all portal accounts. So what we need to learn today, we need to see that the love of God passes all understanding david said these things are too high for me i cannot attain them to them this knowledge is so great i don't know what makes people think that they can comprehend things like this even job could not and he was the most righteous man on the face of the planet so today god has revealed himself through his life through his death He's pulled out the very fabric of his heart. And that has pierced space and time. How long did that take? He's always been. And he always had this plan for you. And what you're looking at here, this is actually the most clear, in-depth picture we have of the universe today. This was taken on... Uh, recently unveiled by NASA. This is from uh, July 12, 2022. They unveiled this. And this is the deepest reaches of space. God's word is so miraculous and so wonderful that if you study it, you'll be able to see deeper things and deeper things. And he's reaching out to you. 
But you need to acknowledge him. You need to spend time in his word. And you need to seek him. Because if you seek him with all of your heart, he will be found of you. It's time for our favorite part. There you go. Do it again. Let's show everybody how to dance, how to move. We're going to shout his name for the rooftops. Amen. Hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of lords, you are worthy and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah.
ourselves before him would you want me to be a prophet that comes in to tickle your ears and say how wonderful you are or would you want this the the word come forth to be the truth you know there's lying prophets out there that are saying how wonderful we Christians are they're stirring up the churches the calling lying signs, as you heard me say, wonders, false gods, false Christ, the Antichrist, calling in those that are, that are causing the people of God to believe a lie, causing people to believe a lie around the globe, causing them to believe a false Jesus, and say, why isn't this Jesus? Why isn't this Jesus? I need the lights up. Come on, let them up. I can't do this off and on. Let them up. Believing a false Jesus. And these other countries are going to go, where's this Jesus? Where's this Jesus that is supposed to provide the meal for me today? Where's this Jesus that is supposed to, to raise the dead? Where's this Jesus that is doing these miracles? And why are they only doing it in America? Yes, there's miracles that take place. Jesus does a miracle work around the globe. I'm not saying he doesn't. But guess what? There's a lying God out there that does it too. So when it gets really tough, they're not going to be able to call on the true Jesus. The true Jesus means you have a relationship. The true Jesus doesn't mean you have goosebumps. The true Jesus doesn't mean you look up and see stuff falling from what you think is the heavens and it's a lie. The true Jesus 
It's not something that you just feel in your hands and go, wow, that's so awesome, God. The true Jesus is the one that he's going to appear and you're going to fall on your face before him. And you're going to bow down before him. You're going to exalt him. That's the true Jesus. That's the true word of the Lord. I'd like to say everything's wonderful here in America. I'd like to say your blessing, your financial blessings coming here in America. And all of those Christians could say, hallelujah, yes and amen. But guess what? When it's poured out, guess what? Many of you are going to fall. You're going to fall. Because the word of the Lord says that pride goes before what? Nope. It says pride goes before destruction. It's destruction. That's worse than a fall. Here in America, Christians, you're full of pride. That's the true word of the Lord. We are full of pride. We're thinking of ourselves, great and mighty are we. Great and awesome and I. Wonderful I am. When God's looking down upon the church here in America and say, what have you done across the globe? What evil spirit have you taken across the globe? Why have you caused Satan to go across the globe and not me? That's the true word of the Lord. Lord, raise up those that have the truth in them. Raise up those that are going to deliver the word of the Lord that's truth in the name of Jesus. We don't want any more healings across the globe that are Satan. We want the healings and the miracles to be from you, the Lord. That's who our lifeline is. If you're looking just for a lying sign and wonder, if you're just looking to walk in a church and say, oh, this feels so great in here, I just want to just, you know, clap my hands and praise God and look at me, look at me, look at me, you're in the wrong place. You're not in the right relationship with Jesus. There's going to be a lot of things God's going to do here in America. And yes, His grace and mercy is here. But guess what? For those of us that have eyes to see and ears to hear, what the Spirit of the Lord is going to show us and let us hear, we're going to see the truth. We're going to see the muck and the mire and the mud and all the horrible stuff that's here in America. And then we can do the warfare to kick it out of the way. That's what he's wanting to see in your heart. What are you going to do with the blessing that comes? What are you going to do? That's the question you need to be asking, what's in your heart? That's the blessing that he wants to pour out, but what's in your heart? Because it will be revealed. And don't think you're just going to get what you think you're going to get. I'd like to say a name right now. But there's too many lying prophets out there that have caused America, the Christians specifically, to believe this lie. God is going to do something. He is. But it's not what you think. It's not what you think. He's going to raise up those that are mighty warriors. But soon and very soon, it's not just the other side, the left side, the evil side, that's going to be revealed. That soon and very soon, the right side of God is going to be revealed. Because there's evil in their hearts. Yep. 
That's what he's going to do. That means you. That means me. We better know who our Lord is. We better know who our God is. Because our hearts are about to be revealed to the world. Our hearts. The Christians. It's not going to just be revealed from all those evil people out there. They're nothing. We are the ones that count. We are the ones that count. So humble yourself, church. Humble yourself, those that are watching online. Truly humble yourself. Truly go face down to praise and worship your God. Truly exalt Him. And not just pray the prayers that you want answered. But cry out. Cry out. Cry out the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Because you're going to need it. Remember those words. Blood of Jesus. Everybody say it with me. It's three words. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. The most important three words you're ever going to need. Lord, I thank you for humbling us right now in Jesus' name. I thank you that you are not going to let us just tickle the ears of those watching online and those that are here and saying how wonderful they are as Christians. I'm not going to say those type of words because they're lies. We are an evil generation. We're an evil generation. We're an evil generation here, even here in America, specifically here in America. And, Lord, I know that you judge the household of God first, but that means you're also going to judge America first. We know that. But I also know, Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. We need it. We need your grace. We need your mercy. And use those, and use those only, with the right hearts, the willingness to go, with the word of the Lord in their mouth, to be that mouthpiece, that's going to stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the true Holy Spirit, to go across the globe. You have others, Lord, that can join that battle. You have others, Lord, that are like-minded, that can go out to the world and preach the truth of the gospel. They can preach the truth of the right Jesus, the true Jesus, instead of the lie that's out there. We cancel right now the plans and attacks of the enemy upon your church, and specifically the Spirit of Prophecy Church, I love the church. And those of you that are joined with us online, I love you. And I thank, you, I thank God for you. I thank you, Lord, for doing a miracle. I thank you for raising us up. I thank you that we will not be a voice that's not heard anymore. But you'll bring up the true prophets of God instead of the lies. Instead of the lies. If there's a little bit of lie, if there's a little bit of lie, to me that's a lie. If there's a little bit... I don't want to hear from them. So, Lord, I thank you that you're going to raise up a voice that's of truth and cause your people to humble themselves truly and not have pride of the flesh in them. In Jesus' name. And all those who receive, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord praise. Yes, let's give the Lord praise. To the lady that sent me the email that said, why don't you have this and such and this and such and this and such and this and such and this and such, eight of them. These true proven prophets on your program. And I answered back and I said, 
If you were to have a program with a roughly 100,000 subscribers, would you want to put out truth, or would you want to put out just what flesh wants to hear? Well, a long time ago, I decided I wanted to put out truth, which is why I consider the list you sent me a pretty good list of false prophets that should not be put on the program, save two. Don't ask me which two, because when Prophecy Club started, God laid on my heart that if they name the name of Jesus, he would correct them. I don't need to. Now, I'm not a prophet. I'm an apostle. That is what a real prophet sounds like. A real prophet is a police officer of the church. A real prophet brings correction to the church. They don't always bring these bless me prophecies. They're not trying to always predict who's going to be the next president and what's about to happen in the nation. And by the way, God does if God were to talk to Jeremiah as much as he talks to some of these prophets today, we would be carrying around a Bible on a two-wheeler. <laughs> it's maybe bigger. <laughs> In other words, a lot bigger. So they have a prophet, prophecy every week or sometimes two times a week for their little YouTube program. And I fear for them when they have to answer for all of those words they put out in the name of Jesus that were not in the name of Jesus' words. Amen. So this is, if you want to know what a real prophet sounds like, it starts with this. It starts with repentance, bringing correction to the church, and they don't care whether you like them or not. They don't care whether you put in the offering. They don't care if they get invited back. They speak the truth whether you like it or not. And if you're listening to someone, you call a prophet, and if that's not their first heart, turn the channel. Amen. Please pray for me. Okay. <laughs> you may be you seated. You may be seated, yes. Lord, I thank you for this man of God. I thank you, Lord, that he's my husband. I thank you that you brought us together to do a work. Amen. And, Lord, I ask that you anoint him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. The message that he has will be of you and not of man, not of his words. Amen. And, Lord, I thank you that every word is spoken, that you watch over, that we receive what is of you. And, Lord, help us to have remembrance and not walk out confused and not wondering what was said. Help us to have a conversation, remember to have a conversation about the message each and every Sunday, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord, as our songs this morning said to you, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to take the book and to open the seals thereof. Because you were slain, because your, sin, your, your blood washed away our sin. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor, glory, and blessing. And every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard us saying, Blessing, honor, glory, and power be in him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb and the four beasts said, Amen. And the congregation says, Amen. Amen. The Bible says, Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That happens on the Feast of Trumpets. So, where is Lucifer at that time? Where's the beast? Where's the false prophet? What happens to all of those other fallen ones, a third of the stars that the tail of the dragon cast into the earth? The answer is the dragon 
is about to be chained and cast into the bottomless pit. The beast and the false prophet at this point are already tossed into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. But all of the other ones, all of the, all of the, all of the other, whoever's names are not in the book of life, are all burned. All of the demons, all of them. The only ones that get to survive that moment into eternity is the beast, the false prophet, Lucifer, and those people that take the mark of the beast. They're tossed in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone for all eternity with no hope of escape. Those are the only four groups that live eternally in torment. All of the rest are burned whose names are not in the book of life. And that counts at both the Feast of Trumpets and also the Feast of Atonement. Now, hallelujah, I can finally bring you good news. And I can bring you good news because you have endured sound doctrine. We live in the days when they will not endure sound doctrine, but they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, say, oh, please like what I say. Come into my congregation. We build a nice big, we, we build the church. Now we have to fill it. Pass the plates. Everybody put in the plates. We're in the time when people want the pastor or the preacher, whatever it is at the front of the room, to say what they want, not what the cross wants. Right or wrong, okay? And when I dropped to my knees yesterday, I was shocked at what I heard that I'm supposed to bring to you. And most of the time, sometimes it's one word. Sometimes it's a scripture. At the most, I get is a sentence, but I got a paragraph. I got a congregation, I got almost a chapter. So before I go into the PowerPoint, I want to deliver what I heard yesterday. If you believe that Stan Johnson can possibly hear from God, especially if it's positive, of course you'll probably believe this because it's positive. Here's what I heard I'm supposed to tell you. Please get that fan on me. It is warm up here. Um, maybe it's the anointing. Um, so I, I dropped my knees, Lord, what do you want? And I mean immediately. He said, tell them, I am their hope. I am their hope. And because they endured sound doctrine, because they put up with messages like that and messages like this, you've heard some tough medicine You've got some tough medicine, as the dad used to say. You've got some tough medicine, and you've endured it. You've come back, and that's speaking also to the people online. And that speaks to the people that are with us, but they're maybe not here today either. God knows. And that is, he wants to let you know that he is going to be there for you. He is not only going to just meet the devil inch for inch, step for step, pound for pound, as has been said, but for this group, and he knows the ones, those that have endured sound doctrine, those that have pushed past people trying to tell you, why do you go to that church? Why do you drive so, so far to get to that? How many churches do you pass on the way to go to that church? Why do you go to that church? Some of you drive an hour, 45 minutes. One couple drove three hours every Sunday to get here. Finally, they just moved here. No blessings for them, right? Lots of blessings for them. 
He is your hope. He is going to be there to provide, to protect. You're going to be a part of those people that say a thousand shall fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come out of there. Amen. I was shocked at what he was saying. Matter of fact, I'm almost, as they say in Texas, scared to say just how good it was. He, he wants to say, you are about to receive a blessing. This is the time of blessing for you. Yes, it's about to be a time of trouble for a lot of people, but he wants to let you know he is, he got your back. He's going to take you. You're going to eat when people aren't eating. You're going to drink clean water when others are not drinking clean water. He is going to take care of you. He's going to provide for you, pressing down, shaking together, and running over. People are about to get, I'm talking about in the physical, but also in the spiritual. So, if I can have my PowerPoint up there. If not, I'll keep preaching like this. Man, I got a hangnail, and it's a bad one. Okay, so I'm your hope. Here's what I was led to talk on, to give you a few scriptures, but I want to let you know that things have changed in the spirit and also in the flesh out there. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts. This is for you, Spirit of Prophecy Church. Those even that may have left, but you've endured sound doctrine. And I don't even think the message is specifically for Spirit of Prophecy Church. I think the message is those people that have endured sound doctrine, that will sit there and listen to prophecies like that, that, that want the truth, they don't want their ears tickled. He's saying, settle it therefore in your heart. Settle in your hearts. I am your hope. He is your hope. Settle in your hearts not to meditate about what's coming. I was shocked at what he told me to bring to you. He sent me right of these scriptures. In other words, this is for you. Now, I know it was written a long time ago, and yes, it was applied a long time ago, but I'll show you why it applies even more today. Settling your hearts not to be scared about what's coming. That's the Johnsonized version. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. Is it okay to get some good news? Yeah. No, we want bad news. Now, we will take some good news when it's from the Lord, right? For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries should not be able to gainsay. In other words, he's going to give you the answers. He's going to give you the right words at the right time. I remember when I was in that uh, three-hour debate over the pre-trib rapture. Man, I was praying like you can't even believe before then. And I felt the same kind of anointing come on me then as I felt came on to me this morning as I was just before I was getting up here. And I remember one of the people said, they quoted that verse, Luke uh, 21, 36. Watch ye there. Well, what about watch ye there and pray, pray, pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape these things and stand before the God of man, the man of God. And I said, well, you have to understand what the word stand means. And I mean, and it just, he gave me the answer. It just came right out. Revelation 6, 12 says, and they went and ran into the holes and rocks and said to the rocks and mountains, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? It's talking about, watch you there and pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape the burning. Now, I didn't say that then because I didn't understand that then, but I'm telling you now what it really means. In other words, he gave me the words. In the days ahead, what it's saying is, 
Those people, not even just Spirit of Prophecy Church, those people through the land, I don't even think it's just America, those people that have endured sound doctrine, those people that have listened to the word of the Lord, listened to the prophets, and they're not running after people to tell them smooth things, tell them what they want to hear, but they want to hear the righteous word of the Lord. Those people, he's saying, I'm going to give you a mouth of wisdom. You're going to be able to give them the answer. You will have the right answer at the right time. Don't worry. He's saying, settle in your hearts. I got you. I got you back. And yet, and you shall be portrayed by both parents, brethren, kinfolks, friends. Some of you online are going to be, well, that was the new version. Some, you're going to be attacked by email. You'll be, right? Okay. You should be hated of all men for my name's sake. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the devil... So look, the devil is not coming after the tares. No. devil's not coming after the grapes. He's coming after the wheat. Yeah. You. You're his target. But because you've endured sound doctrine, because you've endured the word of the Lord, you've got a shield. A shield of faith, right? Amen. Amen. But there's not a hair of your head perish. In your patience, whoa, there's the word, patience, possess your souls. Meaning, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't fear. Don't curl up into some ball, biting your fingernails, except you got a hangnail. I got a hangnail. I got a bad one. He says, in other words, don't quit. Just like any. I saw, man, I saw something at any this morning. And I saw something in Melissa this morning. These ladies are ones that will grab the hem of the garment of Jesus. They will grab onto his ankles and they will not let go. Amen. He might drag them, but they aren't letting go. And that's, that's what he's talking about. Those kind of people, you can't run them off. You don't have, oh, if they miss one time, you better call them. I, I don't believe I should have to call someone and say, we missed you. We do. I don't think I have to. It ought to be. We're all grabbing onto his garment. We ought to be. The, you can find us at the heels of Jesus hanging on. Right? We're not going to. Can't, you can't run us off. And we shall see Jerusalem. Now, yes, this is true in 70 A.D., but it's also coming... See, a lot of times the prophecies in the Bible repeat. I believe this is talking about the day of the Lord. When you see Jerusalem compassed about with armies, then you know that the desolation there of nigh. That's Armageddon. And then let them which are in Judea flew to the flight of the mountains. And that's when they run 260 miles straight, 260 miles straight south down to the real Mount Sinai because they saw the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet where the Antichrist goes in and sits in the Ark of the Covenant. Let them flee to the midst, depart out, let them, uh, let, let not them that are in the countries enter there too. These be the days of vengeance. Now, the days of vengeance, that was not talking about 70 AD. Almost every time you see the word vengeance throughout the Bible, it is almost always talking about the day of the Lord, which is the last feast of trumpets, which in Jesus returns to vanquish his enemies. For these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. In other words, all of the prophecies of the Bible concerning the last days are all being fulfilled on about or around this time. But woe to them that are child, give suck in those days, for there will be great distress in the lands. 
and wrath upon his people. What, what does it mean, great distress? For, there's the, 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 for in those days shall be great distress upon the nation, son of the winds. Come on, come on, help me out here. Seeing the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things that are coming upon the earth. That's what it is. In other words, it's talking about the day of the Lord. Meaning, these days, we're coming up to those days. They shall fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away captive into all nations. Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles. When? Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. When is it time for the Gentiles to be fulfilled? That is, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. When that first seal is opened, he turns from the time of the Gentiles, and he now turns to the time of the Jews, because it is a time of Jacob's trouble. <laughs> not the tares trouble, excuse me, not the wheat trouble, not the, uh, not the New Testament. It turns to the last seven years, God's focus and his attention was on getting his people the children of Abraham saved. So he turns his attention, even the angel spoke to Dimitri, confirmed that, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, right now, it's real easy for a Gentile to be fulfilled. Okay, try this again. Right, somebody emailed me and said, do you mean, you getting your dates altered? Yeah, well, sometimes the wrong words slip in there. And I might add, I've noticed for about the last six months when I'm typing, the wrong letter slips in there too. Well, I was hoping to get more response than that. I mean, that lets me know I'm not the only one that makes typos, right? Okay, yes. I mean, it's like, mm, mm, I, I, can you do an I, you know, make mistakes. Till the times, so the Gentiles were, in this age, it's easy for a Gentile to be saved. All you got to do is turn to Jesus. Easy. Salvation's easy, at least the first step. But in the time of Jacob's trouble, it may, I do not know for sure, it may be more difficult for the Gentiles to be saved. I don't know. I'm not taking any chances. I want to get all the people saved I possibly can. Right? There should be signs of the sun and the moon and the stars and the, upon the earth to stress of nations with perplexity. That's what I was trying to quote. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing for fear for looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. That happens in about the last four months. That's the real time I was talking about. Then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now that cloud is a not a bright, white, cumulus cloud. It's not a nice sunny day. For in those days, woe to those who desire the day of the Lord, for it is not a day of light, but of darkness and thick clouds and darkness. Because when Jesus enters into time, he enters in through eternity and that's the reason it appears that the heaven rolls back like a scroll. Then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a dark cloud with power of great glory. So he's in darkness, but there's this bright light because he is the light of the world. When these things begin to come to pass, I think they're beginning now, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, let me back up. This is slide straight out of the Friday program. For those of you who don't know, I do this YouTube thing called Prophecy Club. And you also shoot, we have an app, and you can go to the app store and download our app for free and watch them very nicely. And then if you're, you get a phone call, it pauses the program, and then when the phone call is over, it starts the program again. 
so you can be totally corrupted away from this world and corrupted out of the, the anyway, you made, I made my point. The famous Henry Kissinger, the Moloch spokesman, says he who controls food controls the people. Who controls energy can control whole continents. Who controls money can control the world. Who controls the money? Well, right now, it's, well, as of Wednesday, up to Wednesday, it was cash and coin. No one totally controlled it. But as of, mark my word, July the 21st, I'm about to show you, we just stepped into the New World Order. There's three legs to the New World Order. The first one is the financial, governmental, and then religious. And as Terry Bennett said, when it goes to religion, that's when the murders begin. So right now they're bringing us into a financial New World Order, and that's the point of this. So a very good friend of mine, in a very important position out of, I will tell you, the state, out of Nevada, called. And he said, it happened. In other words, we are now in a new world order. This is the article. If you look at it, July 21st, make note of that date, the new world order is no more coming. It started. The headline says, New World Order Announced at the World Government Summit says, the New World Order has, was outlined and presented this week at the World Government Summit 2022, had over 4,000 participants, including global officials, advisors, experts. Look, 4,000 leaders? They got 4,000 leaders together, and they have signed an agreement to form a New World Order. It has now started. What Daddy Bush said during the Gulf War, when he says, we're talking about forming a New World Order. Remember those phrases? Remember those statements? It's here now as of July the 21st. I don't know why July 21st. I don't know if that's something special. It goes on to tell some of the participants. To make the entire financial system digital, say the word digital. Digital. So from now on, when you look into your billfold in your purse and all of the bills are gone, it's not because your husband and wife has been there. Some of us understand what I'm saying. It's because all of the coins, all of the bills are going away. What does it say? It's going digital. To make the entire financial system digital, which would allow more tracking control. Control. Say the word control. That's what they want, control of the citizens. Why do they want control of the citizens? So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So that no man might buy or sell, so he had the mark in the name of the beast or the number of his name. They want to be able to force every beating heart to bend the knee, to take the mark in the forehead or the right hand, or you'll lose your head. They will force. If you think avoiding wearing a mask was difficult, if you think avoiding the anti-V was difficult, you ain't seen nothing yet. That was only a fight of about 18 months. That was just a warm-up. But this is going to be some three and a half years you'll be fighting not to take the mark. And I can tell you right now, the tear is going to take it. Not a problem. The grapes are going to take it. The question is, how many of the wheat will take it? And the problem is, most of them. My opinion, most of them. Well, they're just going to get mad at God because they didn't get sucked into the air. 
like they were told and taught and they believed. So that's the first thing. They're mad at God. So why not take it? Because he didn't come get me. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay. What underpins a world order is always the financial system. I'll read it again. That, do you understand how big and how earth-shaking that is? This, see, for 40 years, I've watched for the new world order. And here it is. So to me, these are big words. These are earth-shaking words. What underpins a world order is always the financial system. They just started the financial system. That's the reason I believe God gave me this message to come in here and say, I got you back. I got you. You that have endured sound doctrine, you that have come in in a time of plenty and grabbed my feet, you have refused to let go. You in a time of great blessing, you held on to me. You couldn't be run off. You, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. Not a hair of your head shall perish. He didn't say everybody. What underpins the world order is always financial system. We're on the brink of a dramatic change where we're about to, and I'll say it boldly, we're about to abandon, do you, hear, do you see those words? Those are big words. Abandon the traditional system of money and accounting and introduce a new system. A new world financial system. We're going to say the word Digital. We're going to a new world order that is digital. 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 What is that? Well, that little cell phone. I've been saying it, wrote it in my book. You're going to get a new cell phone. I don't know if you have to buy it or not. You may not have to buy it. Reports are 7 billion of them have already been manufactured. The new cell phone may not be the next one. Don't know when. But it's my belief <clears throat> that. The front and the back of the cell phone will always be on, always taking your fingerprints. You can't turn it off. You can't turn off the recorder. You can't turn off the camera. As you're handling your cell phone, touching it, it's looking at you, it's listening to you, it's always reading your face, it's always taking your fingerprints, it's always taking your voice print. It knows who is holding that cell phone. It links up to Elon Musk's Starlink satellites, some 42,000 of them eventually, covering the globe. See, because, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, receive a mark in the right hand, and that no man might buy or sell. So, for that to take place, he's got to get between you and your neighbor that's trying to sell you his lawnmower. That means you either you barter something or for that to really work globally, he's got to get between that. Here's the way you get between it. He has his cell phone. You have your cell phone. It links up to Elon Musk's Starlink. It links down, and you exchange like that. Digital. Well, that's fine. That's wonderful until they require the mark of the beast to have it. Do you see what I'm saying? That's how it's going to happen. I'd like to say that's all, but it's not all. So he went on to explain the new financial system would be, say the word, say it again, louder, digital, get it. Blockchain, digital means having an almost perfect record of every single transaction. Having an almost perfect record of every single transaction. I didn't write it. That just looked like a prophecy student wrote that. I didn't write it. 
Oh, and wait till you see who wrote it. Now, I'm not talking about the article. Perfect record every single transaction and that what happens in the economy, which will give us far greater clarity, no control over what's going on. There would need to be a balance of power between governments and citizens, which is why she believes there would need to be a digital constitution. What do you suppose happens to our constitution? You remember when Daniel Davis had that dream? He said he saw a man here in the Dallas area stand up, walk to a microphone, and say, Ladies and gentlemen, I have an announcement to make. The United States, as you've known it, has ceased to exist. All property lines are dissolved, and the U.S. dollar is worthless. What does that mean, all property lines are dissolved? The U.S. dollar is worthless. In other words, the sovereignty of the United States, the sovereignty of all some 200 countries around the world, all of the borders are gone. All of the, you own this property, this is my fence, I own, this is, this is my property, that's your property, all that's gone. It's now all owned and controlled by the world government. That's world government. Right now, world financial is first, world government is next, world religion is third. Are you hearing this? See, I think that's the reason God said, go and you tell them I'm their hope. I'm their hope. Go tell them I'm their hope, and I got their back, okay? Amen. This digital blockchain financial system is the property, property of the world's most powerful governments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Today it's the, powerful, it's the property of the world governments. But one day it's not going to be the property of the world governments. It's going to be the property of the beast. Power is given to him to, how's it worded? And the and dragon gave him power, seat, and great authority. This new money will be, a, be sovereign in nature. What does that mean? It means that it's not going to be connected to any government specifically. No, not eventually. Said most people that think digital money is crypto and private. But what I see are superpowers introducing digital currency. The Chinese were first, and that's an important sentence I'm going to show you in just a second. The Chinese were first, means whatever China does, about to happen here. The U.S. is on the brink, in other words, the U.S. is next. I think of moving in the same direction, and the Europeans have committed to all that as well. Now, central bank digital currency, which is money given to citizens directly by the government so that they can be monitored and controlled. What? They can be monitored and controlled. Who's doing this? Is an essential component to the World Economic Forum's agenda. Who's the World Economic Forum? Chamolops. These are the people that are out of Switzerland. They want to own and control the world. These are the people that have been for centuries putting their people in high government positions, all working toward that. Now, they think formerly world government is their idea, but the Bible says that God should put in their hearts to degree and to give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. Why is he having them form a world government? Because he shed his blood on a cross just outside the city. And he is bringing all of those same people down and he's going to slay their blood just outside the city. It's called Armageddon, the Valley of Jezreel. He's all bringing them down to destroy them. 
And even though the whole world would come against Jerusalem, they will not be successful. <clears throat> so it says, so they can be monitored and controlled. They just said we're setting up a world digital system to be monitored and controlled as an essential component to the World Economic Forum's agenda. The WEF, who named this global leader for tomorrow in 2000, has already defined a new world order that is based on digital IDs. Okay, hang on, hang on. What's a digital ID? Biometrics. They want to have your fingerprints, your voice print, and your face print. I called in for tech support because my internet was not working Thursday, I think it was. And I heard this, it says, and be sure and ask about digital identification, where your voice can be your verification that it's you. Just ask about it. Yes, I want you to be able to identify my voice so that if I'm trying to get away from you, if I pick up any phone in the world, it is already identified who I am and can find me more easily. No, I'm stupid. <laughs> Look, if they have not read Revelation 13, world government sounds like a good idea. I'll let that sink in a minute. If they've not read Revelation 13, they'll take that mark. Based on digital IDs, digital payments, and digital governments, are you seeing this? Are you getting a grip on how big this is? Forty years I've been watching for this. While JB did indeed call for a new world order earlier this month, oh, surely not. Surely such a good guy like him. And while central banks like the Federal Reserve, say, oh, who is involved in this? The Federal Reserve, World Economic Forum... Federal Reserve are pushing for a CBDC. The global agenda has never been outlined quite so clearly and honestly. They're telling you, we're forming a world government. It's going to be digital. We're taking away all your money. Oh, you're not going to take away my Oh, yes, they are. How? Now think about this. I'm about to shock you. How would they take away the paper dollars in your purse or your billfold? How do they take them away? They got a better idea than that. I'll show you. Remember it said right here, wait, back up, back up. The Chinese were first, the U.S. is on the brink. In other words, the, US is, or the Chinese is first, the U.S. is next. Here's what's going on in China now. China deploys tanks to protect the banks, people's life savings stolen. They, all of their savings are now investment products and can't be withdrawn. No, that's, I'm talking about the paper, the coins. How do they get you to turn it in? There it is. This was sent to me by my friend in Nevada. What is that? That's an ATM. Well, let's look a little closer. It takes up to 200 bills. You see, this used to be only about that wide because it was only for you to get money out. But he says, no, no, no. This can take up to 200 bills. This is for people to take their bills into the bank, put them in there, push a button, and the bank sucks up the bills. It's a new kind of an ATM. <clears throat> I went to play racquetball a couple of weeks ago, and I did notice that there was a big security truck, and they were switching out ATMs at the bank right next to the racquetball place. I thought, what are they doing? But I didn't know about this. Who'd have ever thunk it? You go to an ATM, turn in all your money, and they, put that, they transfer that, those paper dollars into your, say it, say it, what's the word? Digital account. 
Are you getting it? Okay. Takes up to 200 bills. Now, back to the scriptures. We're about done. And he spake to them a parable. Behold the fig tree and all the, all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you know that you're of your own selves that summer is now not at hand. So likewise, when you see these things come to pass, you know that the kingdom of God is not at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all be fulfilled. Now, the question is what generation? Well, is that saying that one of the twelve disciples is still alive? No. Okay, let's back up here. Behold the fig tree. Who's the fig tree? Israel. Okay, well, Israel was destroyed in 70 A.D., but she became a nation again when? 1948, right? <clears throat> so if you add 1948, 58, 68, 78, 88, 98, 08, 18, 28, I'm not going to try to set any dates or do any calculations. Believe me, I've done, I spent hours and hours and hours trying to calculate. What I am going to say is it's all very close. When we see a world government formed, that's the next thing. Take heed to yourself, lest any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness. In other words, you've forgotten about going to church. Just forget to go. You know, Leslie said this morning, <laughs> she was fixing her hair, getting ready. She says, Why do we go to church every Sunday? Well, of course. She was teasing. I knew it was a joke. I, I forget. Now, what I say? I don't what you <laughs> Well, see, she wasn't serious, and I wasn't serious either. But let me ask you this. So why do you go to church every Sunday? I would answer it this way. We don't have to go to church to go to heaven. But it's real easy to start falling away into the world if I don't. By me going to church makes me continue to walk the straight path. Does that make sense? Yes. So I go to church to make certain that I don't fall away. One. I also am supposed to learn a lot, grow close to the Lord, become more Christ-like, worship. There's all kinds of things. So it's important to go to church. So he says, don't fall away. Look, don't let... What he's saying is don't get into the party and stuff. Don't let yourself fall away. For as a snare will it come upon all those that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. Watch. Here it is, the big verse. Watch you therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape. Now it's not saying to escape the tribulation. It's not saying to escape the test. It's saying to escape the burning. And I just wish they had said that. Yeah, just, just a couple more words there would have cleared it up. We wouldn't be fighting this foolish new pre-trib stuff. Account worthy to escape the burning that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So, let me wrap it up this way. I think that God is pleased with those people that have hung on to his garment, that have said, I will not let go. I will not fall away. I will not get back into the world. I've turned from that world, and I'm not going back. 
I'm not going to eat that vomit. That was not good for me. I'm not going to sin again. I'm not going to do that world again. I remember, boy, there was a time when the Lord spoke to me real hard. He says, if you go back to that world, I'm going to put, I'm going to put all your sins back on you double. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be alive. I, I know I wouldn't be alive. I want to say that this is a positive message. You should know that God has said for those people that have endured sound doctrine, that have continued to stick with him, if you'll continue to stick with him, he's going to provide. You'll have your meal, you'll have your water, you'll have the things that you need. I also believe that this is the group of people, and I'm not saying just Spirit of Prophecy Church, because I believe the great revival is going to go around the world. It's going to be a global thing. And the devil's not going to be able to stop it. I think we're going to see great and marvelous things that the prophets of old desired to see, and they didn't get to see it. We're living in the best generation. Now, okay, they said the, the last generation was the great generation, right? Wasn't that the word they used, the great generation? That's not the word. What was it? The one, the world war, one World War II. What do they call it? Come on, help me out. What is it, the greatest generation? Oh, Leslie says, I was, I'm not old enough to know that. <laughs> the greatest generation. Well, this is the last generation. This is the generation that gets to see the great miracles, gets to see a lot of the works of the Lord, and I want to see the return of Jesus, but I want to see it from the back of his head. Riding a white horse with all my friends in tow, with the armies of the heaven right behind us. Someone, I want to get him, Jesus. Get him. Yeah. Get him, Jesus. Go. Go. Whew. The tears are gone. And that means. All of the demons, because every, bow, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So that means all, they're gone. Their name's not in the book of life, they're gone. Then the devil that deceived them were cast in the lake that burns the fire and brimstone with the beast and the false prophet are should be tormented day and night forever and ever. Hallelujah. But me, we're riding that horse. Get him, get him. So we'll see Jesus. We see the two angels with the sharp sickles that slash the grapes. Jesus burns the tares cleans up the earth, and we get to go to the wedding supper because we're going to be ready, right? We're going to be ready. We get a white garment, but then when he blows that glory out, it also hits us. We get our mantles, our crowns, our rewards instantly. It's going to be good. Amen. He comes forth and serves us for some four months at the wedding supper. We're going to go to the wedding supper. I don't consider that a rapture. I don't think that's, we've avoided a test. I think we passed the test for those that are ready. I want to say that, well, Lord, that look, this is probably the most positive message you've ever, <laughs> ever heard from me. I think good news. I think good time For those of us that endured sound doctrine, good times have arrived. What? I know you're probably thinking, I have to put my fingers here and push because it's been so long since I've, I've smiled 
I've forgotten. How, Leslie, Monday, Leslie invited me to go to lunch with Leslie Ann and my grandchild, Scarlett. So we're at a little restaurant, nice restaurant in, uh, in McKinney. Leslie says, what's that mark on your face? What's that line in your face? Leslie Ann goes along with She says, get that little paper napkin and dip it in your water and see if you can get it off. So I dipped it in the water. Did that get it? No, it's still on there. So when I got home, I went to the mirror and went, that's a wrinkle. That's a wrinkle. And then I got it. They were making fun of me, and I didn't even get it. I didn't even get it. But if you got to have a wrinkle, having a wrinkle from a smile is a good wrinkle, right? These young people sit there and say, we don't even know what wrinkles are. Well, your day's coming. Good days are here. Sad to say it's bad days for a lot of people, but their bad days are our good days. God has said he's going to take care of us. Not a hair of our head shall perish. That's, that was the word. Not a hair of our head will perish. He's, we're going to eat when others don't. We're going to drink when others don't. He's going to take care of us. We get to see the fat of the land. We get to see the great miracles. We get to see things that prophets of old desired to see and didn't get to see. Now, <clears throat> if you are online, if you'll scroll down, there's a little blue line there. You click on that blue line. You get to go over there and help us pay the rent here. It also helps us to go to Honduras. We just got Lou and Sunny back from uh, uh, Cambodia. And they're going to be talking next week. She won't be sure and listen to that. How to survive for a month with no toilet paper. You know, that scares us Americans to death. I ain't going no place that doesn't have any toilet paper, man. No toilet paper, you know, I, 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 I can't go there. I can't go there. I know it's a wow. <laughs> it's, a, it's a wow. I heard that wow. No toilet paper for a month, man. Garden hose. <laughs> One of the little teenagers goes... Also, if you'll go to prophecyclub.com or spiritofprophecychurch.com, if you'll slide down to the bottom, you can, if you go to spiritofprophecychurch.com, you can sign up and become a Fast Track member, which means you pray and fast for Prophecy Club, or Fast Gap, which means that you pray and fast for America. Ideally, sign up for both of them. Also, you can sign up to become a ministry member. Now, <clears throat> let me do it this way. Let me keep it real simple. The Bible says that if you seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me. Rather than me having done the seeking, memorizing of the scriptures, and making it easy for you, just bringing you up to a little nice little 60-second cute little prayer for you to pray, I'm going to recommend that you, you do your seeking. It's called the King James Bible. Pick it up and read it. Maybe you never heard those words before. Go buy you a King James Bible. Yes, the ones with these, thys, and thous. You can learn to understand it. And then start seeking the cross. If you'll seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. 
So that's the way I'm going to end it today. I'm going to challenge you. You seek the Lord Jesus while he may be found.